What is a theory, you might ask? A theory is a carefully thought out explanation for observations of the natural world that has been constructed using a scientific method and which brings together many facts and hypotheses. Did you know theories come in many shapes and sizes? Conspiracy, behavioral, psychological, evolutionary, brand, and the theory of life itself, and many more. There is no lack of theories in the world we all call home. This is what drives me and my brother to question everything. We welcome you to the very first episode of the Muse Theory Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. We just, we're excited to get started here. Uh, it's me and me and my brother Brandon. Hello, I'm Brandon. And I'm Zach. Sorry, I was pulling up my notes. Oh, you're fine. This is a, a, a theory podcast that uh, me and my brother do, and we are uh, going to be talking today about the 90s. Um, but, you know, before we get into all that, we kind of wanted to let you know who we are, why we do this, and... Why are you listening? Why are you listening? And... Who are these randos? Yeah. We're, we're trying to get to the, the, the big questions. The, we're looking for the big answers. We may not find these big answers. But maybe, just maybe, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, just maybe, you know what I'm saying? See, we're still looking for the answers. I don't even know the answers to that. Yeah. So, um, 42, I guess. 42. Um, (laughs) so me and Brandon have always been people that we're always people. We're always people. We've always been people. I'm sorry. We've always been people that, um, we, we always want to, um, take things apart, analyze them, and try to understand how things really work. And that's just... Question everything. We question everything. We want to figure out how everything works. So um, mm-hmm. that's why this podcast is such a great idea for me and Brandon, because there's times that we're, we easily can just go down rabbit holes. It's something that we love to do. It's something Pretty that... big, too. Yeah. It's something that we... Yeah, we, we definitely um, jump head first in these things. And not only... Do we like to take things apart in that, uh, you know, sense of like those types of things like on paper or just thinking, but we also like to take things apart physically too, like with technology. So we, we, we always look for, for something to, to break down and fix even, mm-hmm. you know, you can't fix theories, but mm-hmm. you can try to fix those things, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you can at least try to fix those. Welcome things. to the podcast where, you know, I rant. Train of thought. That's how I do. That's my train of thought. So you gotta you gotta get used to that. Well, oh yeah, that that don't worry. I'll, I'll definitely try and reel him in from time to time, but I've got to let him go wild too. Exactly. Um, Thornberries. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that, everyone, um, welcome to the '90s. Let us set the stage for you and immerse you in this era. Join us as me and Brandon get caught up with our own nostalgia while making you either join us in the fond memories. Or make you forget you didn't grow up with them. <laughs> that just means we are doing our job. Then later, we will get to what the 90s has kept from you in its closet, or things that have been lost to that time that it doesn't want you to remember. Let's begin. Let's go. Imagine this. You're in your PJs. Oh man, they're so comfortable. You're about 10 years old. Or older, I'm not sure. But you got your CRT television, and on the background you hear, 
that familiar commercial that you've always heard in the morning. You just got a fresh haircut from your dad. You know, he, was, he put a bowl on your head. What do you know? You got some favorite posters on the wall. Yeah, sync, Britney Spears. Oh, there's Legos everywhere. Be careful when you're going into the kitchen to, to get you some bagel bites, pizza rolls, and so much more. Don't forget. You're pulling out your bowl of cereal, you're eating your cocoa puffs, and then you hear us. The Muse Theory Podcast. <laughs> All right, we want to thank Brandon for that wonderful intro and to getting you guys in the mood as we talk about nostalgia. It was off my head. That was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It could be better. So when we when we think of nostalgia, there's a lot of things that come to mind. I mean, me and Brandon grew up in the 90s. So I want to I want to take off by first asking Brandon a question. Ooh. What are the foods that you remember most vividly in the 90s? <laughs> That's a good one because that will definitely go from what I was just talking about. Um, <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that most of the foods that I'll probably remember are the same ones that I still get from the grocery store to this day. And that will be, you know, our beautiful Tostino's pizza mm. rolls, mostly pepperoni. But I think back then I got the ones mostly that came in the cardboard box. Um, the kids' cuisine meals, they're still on the shelf, they're still in the freezer. Um, those, those little like uh, microwave dinners for children. Um, I remember Jug. Uh, <laughs> The ju- uh, it's not really food, but I, I the, only, the thing I remember a lot of is the the jug bubble gum. It's like the pink one they would get from the Dollar Tree. Oh yeah, no, that's oh, uh, man, yeah, you could make that bubble gum. You feel like it would last forever. Oh, uh, it's so good. You just you just chug it back. Well, um, it's crazy. I mean, it was just like it was. I, I what's the word? Glutton. <laughs> it was like gluttony. It's gluttony of, dude. Yeah, gluttony. Gluttony of bubble gum. Um, oh. I remember baby bottle pops. That's candy. A lot of it's candy. Yeah. Because uh, candy used to be good. So. But now it's like, it's still good. But it's like 3 a.m. You're like searching for sweetness. And that's when it's good for me. Mm, so that's what I remember. Okay. Um. Ooh, okay. Actually, just uh, taking a look at some things off the top of my head. I Potato smileys are, are oh. one that I see right here that I think are great. Um, Remember those now, in those school? Are still, yeah, that, I still like vividly remember them throughout school, even up into my high school years, though. Um, They're amazing. The kids love them. The potato smileys. I mean, they just son. it's like French fries are cool, but I would rather have like if I could Ooh. have them in potato mm-hmm. smiley form. Absolutely. Um, one food I remember that's uh, apparently mostly in the '90s, according to the article we were looking at the other day, um, is the Dino Nuggies. Um, a funny, funny fact, uh, me and my fiance, when we first started dating, um, we ate mostly, uh, dino nuggies and we still, that's a little cherished memory for me to you guys, little dino nuggies. You guys that's, remember dino nuggies? That's sweet. Brandon. He let them know that little personal, personal, little personal, thing. Little personal thing there. Yeah. Now, um, since you put me on the spot, asking me a question, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to return the favor. Now, speaking of the food, we'll go ahead and do one more food here. Okay. Um, as far as, like, nutrition goes, like, compared to today, mm-hmm. um, from the 90s, which is hard to remember because you were a child. Yeah. Let's just take it in this context. Do you think people ate differently back then? Like, really? Same kind of thing? Because yes. I definitely don't. 
Okay, so I I think I in, in a way uh, definitely yeah I mean I'm still the the cherished like I see here for instance bologna and white bread sandwich, um you know a lot of people have these like core memories they talk about with bologna like outside the pool like you just got out of the pool and you put on a towel and you ate like a bologna sandwich and then they're like oh that's you know that, that's a vivid thing for them. yeah but the smell or taste what I really want to get on about um if people ate them for differently it would be that people cooked a lot more with people would literally store lard in buckets underneath um like their sink. oh I, gra- I think Nini did that mm-hmm. our, our grandmother and used to do that as well it was a big night store thing. it store the fat and earlier then you than reuse that. it to cook um it's like that yeah. uh, no there was definitely a lot of yeah. I, I feel like they were different it's a good answer i give you one point well thank you one point one point <laughs> Um, what's a point or like something? Um, just one point. One, for one point. One point. I was trying to think of something that would relate to the nineties. It would be one point. Oh, um, uh, you get star. one pog. Gold star. Maybe you get one gold star. There we go. Yes. Thank you. I loved those. All right. Here's, here's a good one for you. Um, do you think food was healthy then? You know, it kind of goes back to the, um, thing we were talking about for, I think, um, I don't know how true this is, um, but according to a lot of people I've heard or just around um, the internet is um, the red 40 dye that's in foods now was also really prevalent back in the 90s as well. So some stuff was kind of still unregulated. Um, but if you're, th- it's probably about the same. Uh, it might've got worse. It might've been less um like artificial preservatives and stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, think about but, it like this. What about when, you know, how we see like all these non-GMO and like, uh, yeah. Yeah, there, there was a big thing of like gluten-free and then, the I mean, water. but that was kind of like, I feel like prevalent to just people like more medical studies, but. Um, yeah. So apparently red 40 is bad. Uh, if you eat it when you're a kid, a lot, uh, it actually agitates AD or even it mimics ADHD symptoms. So like the dye. Yeah. The red 40 dye, which is basically just crushed up bugs. Did you so. did you know that Aldi's, even in their store brand, they actually won't use dyes? Isn't that crazy? Well, I'm going to go to all Aldi's and uh, check on that because there's one down the street from us. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So um, with, with setting and talking about nostalgia, another thing that us growing up in the 90s is, you know, you want to talk about toys. Um. So, Brandon, um, yeah, I'm gonna ask you a random question here um, about toys. Uh, what toy was your favorite, and why? Just one toy. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was your absolute favorite that you can remember? Um, the main thing that sticks out immediately will always be Pokemon cards. Just Pokemon cards in general. Um, it's not really a toy. Um, if I had to choose like yeah. a like a toy instead of a card. Uh, uh man that's a hard one um i'd have to really think me and you used to play like the wrestling toys a lot so we get like you know the old wwe toys we did. and we'd come home from school and i'd be like let's go play toys that's what we call it let's go play toys yeah the toy. and i also um, remember us having um you keep talking while i think of my answer yeah okay um uh, i i remember whenever we would be out in our backyard and uh we would play with like uh, Digimon convertible like toys, you know, like transform oh, cool. them. Uh, and then I remember like we had 
some like Gundams and like things like that. And then I remember, um, I know what it is. I know what it is. Um, it's a little bit early. I don't know if it's, it should be close. Uh, our other grandmother, our mamma bought me a uh, toy store, you know, it was huge in the nineties. So, uh, Woody, my Woody doll, it was the old Woody doll and he pull his string and he, you know, talk about that snake that's in his boot. That was my favorite thing. I slept with it all the time. And uh, he was a good old pal. Yeah. It's really, really, uh, I was his Andy. Wow. Yeah. That, <laughs> so. Another another thing to really just, that's, that's a very sweet thing. You got, you had a, you, you have In a great way of building relationships. Especially with, with stuffed animals. Even from the beginning, man, you were building relationships. Just, it's very sweet. I, mm-hmm. Creepy Crawlers was another one that I, I'm just looking through here and Creepy Crawlers, like the with the oven and everything like that, you would make bugs and you know it it was just like one it's of the creepy. coolest things is they were just creepy and then <laughs> and then one I know Brandon would like was um, the Crazy Bones, which we just recently discovered those again. Um, yeah, so we were looking through this article. Yeah, and we didn't even know. Uh, we totally forgot about these. I mean, you you look that up, you will absolutely know what that is. If you guys would like to have some visual aid, if you're not driving, don't do this. If you're driving, don't play with your phone. Um, it's called GamingGorilla.com, and it's slash best 90s toys. So if you go there, uh, mm-hmm. check it out, and there's like a list of them. How many is it? Like oh, 50. it's 50. Yeah. There's 50 of them. Number 40 is Crazy Bones, and I'll give you a visual aid. Um, basically, they're just uh, tiny little um, figures, and they would come in different games, such as jacks or marbles. And uh, they became a huge fad back then. Though I remember that. Um, I think ours were like secondhand. We probably found them in like just dig- digging bins or something. Who knows? Oh yeah, it was easily but, just like secondhand. Easily. I just want to touch them. Yeah, for sure. I just want to feel them. It would be great to maybe see them again. One. Um, you know, this isn't exactly a specific toy, but maybe this would be a memory for some people. But, mm-hmm. um. We, I thoroughly enjoyed the, uh, the prizes in class that you would win. And it would literally, these things do not have any value, but it was literally like gooey slap hands that you could just stick to everything on the walls. Oh my God. Kids had some of those the other day. Did they? And they got broken fast. Yep. Same thing. Same. You can get them at the Dollar Tree. No matter what. (laughs) Us as kids or your kids, it's still going to be, that's going to be it. You see? You still get them, you say you can get them at the Dollar Tree. Dollar yeah, we're not sponsored, but everything will probably come back to the Dollar Tree. I have loads of stories, including Pokemon cards. I think Yu-Gi-Oh too. You could get from the Dollar yeah. Tree. Yeah, I think you can get like mystery small bags. packs. You used to, yeah, and mystery bags. But Brandon has a yeah a correlation. Everything can come back to Dollar Tree. It is the one tree that has dollars. But it is though. Like uh, I mean, it's a mystical being. No, no, no. It's like. 90s in particular it does kind of like i guess that's a core memory that always triggers when it when i think about the 90s we did spend a lot of time at dollar tree it was a lot of great things i always wanted to take like 100 bucks if anybody else wanted to do this you know take 100 dollars and go to the dollar 25 tree that's not cool and then just buy a bunch of stuff yeah cuts out on your stuff i've always wanted to do that so let me know on our reddit on our subreddit yeah go to our subreddit (laughs) come talk to us we love you you know, but, uh, that was actually, there There was many things that we had got from the Dollar Tree. There was little ninja action figures, The definitely mm-hmm. the dollar grab bags. Um, now, of course, Andy. there was Pop. a thing that happened with when we were we were young. We, uh, we would try to get a little extra out of the dollar grab bags. We don't discuss that on here. <laughs> They'll come after us. 
<laughs> yes, Dollar Tree will make uh, will will come. These for bags us. were a dollar, and they were loaded with goodies. They had all kinds of goodies. I mean, you you never Let's know. Let's say allegedly, exactly allegedly, hypothetically, some random guy came in and was like a child in the time, and he just decided. <laughs> yeah, it was to, just a child to stuff extra things in his little baggie and then check out with it but that's not something we endorse yeah absolutely not if i found that guy who did that i would be very upset yeah see you definitely would be reprimanded and that is definitely something you don't want to do and it's something we didn't do but in that scenario where there could be more things in a dollar grab bag it was a good thing yeah they didn't weigh them yeah there was no weight you just got it for a dollar so let's just say that's probably why there's no more dollar tree bags because of that random guy Okay, so you know, it's speaking, not a mystery. Yeah, speaking. Speaking of uh, childhood memories, um, mm-hmm. Brandon, do you remember? Do you want to talk about our movie store visits a little bit? All right, there was a hometown movie store, and it was literally called the movie store, right? And I can go on about this. So um, it was ten oh sixty four days. So you know how you'd go out to like Blockbuster. It's like a small town Blockbuster, basically. Um, it was like in a little trailer. Um, the guy, the owner, was really nice. Him and his wife. Um, Dad would take us there every weekend. We would rent us a game for the weekend, get us a little Caesar's pizza back when the pizza was good. Yeah, it was um, it was definitely different back then. Crazy, crazy bread, man. Crazy bread made was from delicious crazy bread. Then I don't know if it's just the nostalgia of it, in, including with the yes. movie store. But let me tell you, me and Brandon, like we lived to go to that movie store and rent a game, and even potentially rent a console as well. Oh, that was um, fun. So it was. It could. We could always do something new. You you don't have that experience now, where you can easily just go rent a game, and uh, rent a console in in that fashion. And we didn't have the internet. It wasn't as prevalent. No internet. So, um, it well, was. Those internet, yeah, we just had prevalent. to try games. We didn't. We didn't review. We didn't have. We didn't know anything about it. So it was just. <laughs> we had to use um our dad's uh, dad's neighbor, a friend of dad, and a friend, a neighbor. Um, what am I trying to say? I. Uh, one of the a neighbors, friend of the family, would, yeah, a friend of the family. That... Uh, he had a, he had the internet, and uh, for uh, games we would have to uh, for cheat codes we would have to use dad. We like dad, please go and get yes. us some cheat codes and bring them back <laughs> on a written piece of paper. Yes, it was great, man. Those so. papers, they saw, man. But we, we got definitely... all kinds of cheat codes from uh, just getting them uh, written down, like literally just pulling them up on an old computer and then being able to write them down, and we'd have them in the game case. Um, that's the way things were back then that was it man pen and paper pencil probably I would say so Um, so Brandon as far as this is another interesting thing that isn't like it is now but when it comes to technology Mm -hmm. um, you know Whenever there was things like, you know, and these are really archaic things, and it's funny to say now, but rotary phones, cassettes, VCR, and camcorders. So a lot of people, like, <laughs> if you're camcorders. if you're 15 plus right now, I don't even know if you've touched listen, one of these things. Listen, if you're if you're a younger viewer, I appreciate you being here. Um, that's awesome. Welcome. Yes, but um, let us let us enlighten you on what <laughs> I was just going to ask like. him a question. What were you going to ask him when you? Um, Say so. Pretend somebody is asked, telling you to pretend like you're answering the phone with your hand. Do you make a solid open hand and put it to your ear, or do you make like the shocker bra symbol and put it to your ear? Yeah, like know. if you're like a surfer symbol, would you take it up there, or would you? How would you? Yeah, what would you yeah. symbol? Um, that really tells the difference. Uh, a rotary phone was basically an old school device that uh, you put your finger in a tiny little hole, 
Uh, if you ever watch Powerpuff, just look up Powerpuff Girls Red Phone, and I'll show you exactly what it is. You had to turn for each single yeah. digit and let it spin back, and then you do that for each individual digit. Yeah, there was no screen. No screen. It was terrifying. What if how many? You know, just you'd have to remember how many numbers you put in. It's crazy. I know my brain. Um, so Brandon, uh, in reference to all of those things, what are some of the nuances you remember about them? Um, I remember camcorders specifically being very big um and then they would use um cassette tapes i remember uh remember that and then the tiny little screens i just remember playing with those all the time it was such a such a um a uh, like a benefit or a well what would you say was somebody now would realize like how mm-hmm. difficult it was to like navigate like the fact that you can literally pick up your phone and record immediately yeah. like Oh, okay, so like if you like, like I'm just gonna keep using the cam or the camcorder or VCR for example. Mm-hmm. In order, most of the camcorders back then in the '90s, you would have to put a giant uh, uh, cassette tape, or uh, which VCR. is or it's like a VCR tape basically. Well, some of them you so imagine put a VCR this, tape in. or the digital, uh, not even digital cameras, but like the throwaway. There were these things called throwaway cameras. Yeah, throwaway cameras, which so, I know you guys think are super retro right now, and you're really into like co- like uh, the Kodak or the uh, these are the ones that Instaprints. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the ones that you would you buy could, like get developed the dollar store, hmm. not Dollar Tree because those are too big. But you would, <laughs> just imagine, guys. Okay, <laughs> so you're looking at your bag. phone now and you're taking a selfie. We couldn't shove that in our dollar and, grab bag. <laughs> yeah, you take a selfie and then you're like, oh, it looks pretty good, and then you don't like it. Just imagine having to send it off. To a company at like Walmart and wait a month or, or even maybe a week. Yeah, like a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks and, and then come back and then they're all your thumbs over the camera the whole time. So imagine yeah, or just that's, an a, awful, that's something. That that's it in a nutshell. Um Okay. So Brandon, what do you remember hearing most from our family as kids? Go outside. Yes. Go outside. <laughs> Go play. See, as a parent now, how do you feel that is like, you know, do you feel like, man, I need that time? Or do you feel like that was like a way that they were just like, man, I need to get him out of the house or like I need space I or think, like, what do you? Um, Just like, I think it comes down to some of the think- topics we're going to talk about later in the episode about um, just like what pe- people fear new things. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to the fact that the older generation was still scared of technology, so we were inside using a lot of technology all the time. That's what oh, we, yeah. we were involved in, like so we talked about. We so they were scared. It. And, so it was a strong point of ours. Afraid yeah. of, you know, if something's messing up their mind or your brain or whatever from using so much tech. Which I could say, you know, I could see that nowadays. Yeah, easily, but it's not in not our Not back then. Because it was still a very, it was in its infancy and it was growing with us. Yeah. But yeah, now it's definitely much more pro. I mean, we did go outside though. We played. Um, oh, all the time. We played in creeks. Dad made us makeshift pools out in creeks and rivers back then. Oh yeah, it's a little later, not in the nineties probably, but it's a little later. A little then. later, and then and then of course, yeah, we even went. Clubhouses. We even went as, he, it was it was pretty great. He even went as far as to make us uh, out of boxes. He would uh, construct massive like. Um, What's a good way to say it? Like uh, it was like uh, old school nineties hamster. Uh, color uh, different colored tubes that they would climb through yeah it wouldn't be it was sort of like that it was crafted yeah he treated us as like hamsters, a maze basically. yeah it was it was awesome he's like i love my hamsters i'm gonna build them <laughs> a, a maze now he was really cool it was really cool yeah and um 
So with that, uh, mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and take a break, guys. And then when we get back, we are going to get into some theories. Some muse theories, bro. The rise of the internet. The 1990s saw the rise of the internet as a global phenomenon that would transform communication, commerce, and culture. The development of the World Wide Web was introduced by British computer scientist Tim Berners-Lee in 1991. This allowed for the creation of easy-to-use web browsers, which made the internet accessible to a wider audience. The accessibility led to explosive growth in the internet usage, with the number of websites increasing from just a few hundred in 1993 to over 2 million by the end of the decade. This growth was fueled by development of innovative technologies, such as search engines, online marketplaces, and email, which made the internet more useful and engaging for users. The 1990s also saw the emergence of key players in the tech industry, including Amazon, Google, and Yahoo, which would go on to be some of the most influential companies in the world. The rise of the internet also had significant impact on traditional media, such as newspapers, magazines, and television shows. These networks were forced to adapt to a new digital landscape. Overall, the 90s were a transformative decade for the internet, paving the way for the online world as we know it today. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started with some theories that are relative to the rise of the internet. The first one that is very interesting uh, from the rise of the internet is around that time period, there was something called the global village theory. This Ooh. theory proposed by Marshall McLuhan in the 1960s. Good pronunciation. Thank you. Suggested that modern communication technologies would bring people closer together and create a global village. The internet was seen as the oh, wow. ultimate realization of this idea, allowing people from all over the world to connect and communicate instantly. I mean... So is it Facebook? So, I mean, essentially... Or I mean, it was, this guy was This guy was right. I mean, essentially... That's 1960s. It's just, he, he saw the forefront of social media or the fact that the internet would just bring this entire village together. Yeah. So he pictured it as like like literally like a city or a village of a village because it'd be closer. He, he figured, that's how yeah. close he think people would get. But that's now I would it. see it as like being in a bedroom. It is, yeah, much more a bedroom, <laughs> like I next mean, to each other how, instead of a village. Sometimes but that's a crazy theory for somebody to come up with back in 1960. Exactly. I mean, I, I thought he was I thought right. pretty well. He was. Uh, it, it's it's arguing to say that it could be, you know, a little diverging. Like people could be a little more. Uh, distant but at the yeah. same time people have become closer we're closer in the sense that we can talk to each other immediately whenever we feel like it exactly. and news is always out immediately and yeah just just information and data in general yeah very cool guy marshall mcloon i really i really McLean? like that one is it mcloon mclohan mclohan mclovin <laughs> very nice what do you guys think about that one um let's see here Zach, did you also know there's something called the long tail theory? Somebody named Chris Anderson, uh, it was back in 2004. Um, this theory suggested that the internet um, would also allow for creation of distribution of niche content, which is basically what we're doing right now, mm. and products, um, which is like uh, like a YouTuber's um Oh, like yeah, stuff. like a YouTuber's channel or like a... Yeah, or a, a small marketplace. Yeah, something like that. Um, 
you'd be able to find a small but dedicated audience. Mm-hmm. And then this was seen as a challenging the dominance of the mass market of the media okay. of products okay so think about that actually hold Those on are like predictions that's, that's like street the, predictions okay almost. so it's like instead it's straight predictions i mean it's it's a theory it's, it's like tv shows versus youtube in the early 2000s i'd much rather watch youtube yeah it's like well no it's not even youtube in the early 2000s it's it's tv yeah. shows versus youtube you got traditional media is getting celebrities like versus real people on youtube and that's what's so funny is I think celebrities are having a rougher time, mm-hmm. in my opinion, to keep up with some of these awesome people who can pull up a phone right now immediately and just just start going make some it. of the best content you've ever seen in the entire planet. That's what that like that's the what theory, that theory is. Yeah, like the Muse Theory podcast, or distractible, or di- distractible, or or I even like the No Sleep podcast. Speaking of podcast, how about how about uh, Bigfoot Collectors Club? You like them too? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes. Listen Go listen to them all. They're all very good. Well, we're not recording. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So That's a good theory. That is a very good one. That I, was called the long tail. Yeah. If you guys want to look into that, the long tail theory, if mm-hmm. you want some more details. Um, so also another one that looks interesting here. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. so we'll get a little bit on the contra or the um, on the crazy side, the c- crazy conspiracy side. There's um, and this one I feel like still hold like a lot of people. There's still some out there, you know. Uh, but hold it's chemtrails. Oh, oh chemtrails. Uh, some people believed that the white trails left behind uh, by airplanes were actually chemicals being it. sprayed into the atmosphere for nefarious purposes. He pictured like a dude as... with a long mustache and driving in the airplane. <laughs> yeah, some little cra- evil guy who's like He's spreading like, around chemicals trying to kill us randomly. Flying around his little dog. But it was such as mind control or weather modification. Now... Weather modification has actually been proved to be true that they would actually try to adjust weather in certain areas by dropping things. These chemicals to mix with to get mm-hmm. inside of the... Because um, if they make clouds, the clouds, then it would make cover, which would change. Well, it was for like droughts and uh, spots that... Yeah, to make it rain. Make so it rain. So, it, I mean, in a way, yes, but not in the fact that they're out there trying to just... Yeah. There's random people out there just trying to harm us with chemicals. Yeah, I don't know. That, yeah, it's a theory. Very, it's a theory. It's, it's a, a theory. Nefari- nefarious theory. That's fun to say. Okay, Brandon. There's. A, mm-hmm. I, I see one that you should definitely take up the alley there. Um, yeah, let's with... talk about the alien cover-ups. You know they're there. These are true. <laughs> I, no, I'm not joking. If you think I'm being funny, I'm not being funny. I could go on about all kinds of stuff like Roswell. But uh, many people believe the government was covering up the existence of extraterrestrial life and that the evidence of UFO sightings had encounters was being suppressed and they were being suppressed and they still are and and what what's important to take away from this the reason that this is brought up the theories are in the rise of the internet is that a lot of these things were brought about because of Of the internet internet. of the internet a lot of these ideals came into place people were able to spread their information a lot quicker back in the 90s even though the internet would take like a thousand years to live up a page what were they? What were they called? Where people? Were oh, going? forums. Forums. Yeah. Those are still a thing. <laughs> Blogs. Forums. Well, yeah. Oh, uh, you're thinking of That's... instant messengers. Well, no, I was thinking of forums, oh, but forums. they were much more prevalent back then. Oh yeah, that was like the only. There was no. That Facebook was the yet. form of or social communication. MySpace. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean. I know there's some probably more examples that would happen around that period. Um, well, okay. Here's here's I I don't want to. 
there's another theory here that I, I really want to go over real quick. Um, so this one is called the death of distance theory. And I thought this one was really interesting. That it suggests cool. that the internet would make physical distance irrelevant and enable people to work and collaborate, collaborate remotely. Dude, you know, that's immediately reminding me of just like in 2019. Hey, yeah. It was believed that this would lead to a more Hold decentralized on. and distributed economy with people working from anywhere in the world. I mean, so remote jobs Bitcoin. were very prevalent yeah, recently. I mean, so that's interesting. And I mean, then, now they're really prevalent, like, overall. I, it's true. And if you think decentralized and distribute, so. that Bitcoin, things like that, that was definitely kind of a, you know, that was something that definitely gained prevalence with online um because of online's existence in the first place. Do you think the guy that um, thought about this theory, whoever this person may be, or maybe it was just a group group of stuff that from came up with these? Man, it's too bad they didn't buy, like buy Bitcoin. Currency? Yeah, dude, there was a true. guy that if you, I don't know what it was called, but he um, he had all this Bitcoin that he had bought, or he got, um, he paid, he had like thousands of Bitcoin, and then he used that Bitcoin to pay for a pizza. So this pizza guy got oh, paid, or he paid somebody bit, bit, in Bitcoin. Yeah, oh, that man, was... did he feel like a fool? <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, something. That's a good one. That is. That is. Um, let's the see. listeners are good ones. Yeah, the listeners. If you, you know, another. You is, guys are theories. Just, exactly. I'm sure you guys Each have. Each and every of one theories. of you are theories yourselves. We're all a theory. We're all a theory. Yeah. Why are we here? That's the question. Um. But this is that's a good time to plug real quick. But whenever you guys seriously, if you have ideas on theories that you want us to cover, or not even theories specifically, it could be a big theory, or it could be uh, certain topics that there yeah, may be topics. theories about. Um, so yeah, definitely on any of our socials, definitely hit us up on that. We'll go over that at the end and let you know what those are. But you guys stay to the end to find out our socials. I tell you, that's right. If you guys want to follow us on more things, it's <laughs> definitely not uh, obvious in our name. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll never find us. We're hidden in the internet. We're a theory ourselves. All right, and guys, <laughs> we're gonna um, from there. We're gonna move yeah. into our next topic. Um, we will be right back with that. The Waco Siege. The Waco Siege was a 51-day standoff between the United States government and the Branch Davidians, a religious group led by David Koresh that began on February 28, 1993, in Waco, Texas. The siege ended on April 19, 1993, when the FBI launched an assault on the compound, leading to a fire that killed 76 people, including Koresh and 25 children. The siege began when the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, ATF, attempted to execute and search a warrant on the compound, suspecting that the Branch Davidians were stockpiling illegal weapons. The initial raid resulted in a shootout that left four ATF agents and six Branch Davidians dead. The FBI took over the siege after the initial raid, surrounding the compound with tanks and negotiating with Koresh and his followers. The negotiations were often tense and unproductive, with both sides accusing the other of bad faith. On April 19th, the FBI launched a tear gas assault on the compound in an attempt to force the Branch Davidians out. A fire broke out shortly afterward, and the entire compound was consumed, killing most of the people inside. The exact cause of the fire remains a subject of controversy, with some suggesting that the FBI's actions may have sparked the blaze. 
The Waco siege remains a controversial and polarizing event in American history, with some seeing it as an example of government overreach and others as a necessary response to a dangerous and fanatical group. The incident led to significant changes in how law enforcement agencies handle sieges and negotiations, and it continues to be studied and debated to this day. All right, guys, oh, so we're going to get in. This one's a little bit heavier. It was intense. Um, but the Waco siege is definitely something that I find super intriguing, and I think a lot of you guys do as well. Um, yeah, it does sound really interesting. It is, and it, it shows. It's it is sad, but it shows yeah. a lot of different things here because you have religious <laughs> extremists, and then there's the government. Um, so it's really hard to tell what happened. It is, and that's why it's such a good ground place for theories. Um, uh, I see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so some of the ones that kind of come out of it is this one is kind of kind of obvious, um, but government cover up. Um, now this one's kind of interesting. Uh, some people believe that the government's actions during the siege were part of a larger conspiracy to suppress dissent and establish control over the population. They argue that the Branch Davidians were peaceful and the government used excessive force against them. So I don't put it a pat. I don't put it a pat. I don't. I don't put it past them. You don't put it past them. Uh, sorry about that story, but yeah. I don't know. Honestly. I mean, it's possible that it was a way to set up a, a, a precedence early on that they were trying to control uh, different it, groups. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I have to argue and say that I really don't. It was definitely poorly handled. That ATF, FBI did a terrible job. But I don't, I don't think specifically it was a cover-up scenario. Uh, but I mean, it's a theory. Yeah, it's hard to really tell. Um, but there is a lot of examples, even before this or probably after this, where the government or FBI or whoever federal agency uses excessive force on us beautiful civilians. Yeah, and and Brandon, no I know you haven't you haven't looked a lot into this, but I know you can yeah. definitely bring a lot to the table as far as your opinion on it. Um, sure. So the. The next thing is there's this religious leader. His name was David Koresh and his culpability in it. So this is another theory. So is this guy like uh, Charles Manson? No. Um, not as... Not not to... He he was, he was seeing himself of... as like a second, um, second coming of Jesus. Well, I mean, didn't Charles Manson do sort of the same kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, like, but he was just... like murdering people though. <laughs> well, didn't, no, this guy didn't do it. he just he didn't of... intentionally murder people oh, um okay. he was just he just he didn't, didn't murder care. anybody charles manson just kidding. definitely not <laughs> yeah he, he, um, he definitely did yeah no uh terrible he brainwashed guy. people for sure okay so here kind of gives you a little background on this guy mm-hmm. and a theory about him okay. um others believe that david koresh the leader of the branch davidians so davidians were his his people his his devout his followers dividends davidians dividians divi yeah um so his followers they believe he was responsible for the death of his followers um they argue that crest was a dangerous cult leader who was stockpiling weapons and abusing children and that the government had a responsibility to take action against him so that is an interesting thing um, sick piece of crap yeah well i mean think of it let me tell you how sick he was he would just so he could get his word out, he would send. He he was speaking with negotiators, and he would allow, he would allow children out slowly if they would do if the That's they would do wrong. things for him. That's um, stupid. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he took their devout following faith of him specifically, 
and just used it against them. Um, I mean, there was even people, if there's a documentary out there on Netflix, actually. Sounds like it's just a giant control freak. Oh, is it? Yeah, there's a documentary if anybody wants to go watch that on Netflix. Um, there's a lot of documentaries. To get refreshed on it. A lot of the stuff that we talk about probably today. Oh, I'm sure. And Sponsors. I mean, there's multiple people on there that are that came out after the events that survived the events. And some of them are still obsessed with David Koresh. So it shows how much he mentally affected them. Um, yeah. That's basically like Charles Manson. Yeah. Like he brainwashed I mean, it's... these people and they would have like these, um, gibberish, uh, ritual sit- uh, settings and just, uh, he would call them his children and, uh, that kind of thing. So pretty similar in some ways. I would, I would definitely agree. Um, yeah, okay, so the last thing I want to talk about sure. theory-wise is um, it was, you know, once again, I said how poorly this was handled on, on both sides. There was a lot of issues there. But it's a theory if it was an accident or an intentional fire because the fire is what ended the event. Yeah, which um, conveniently. Conveniently. Uh, how long did it go on? You say well, 51 days? It was 51 days, and there was pressure from the public for the government to make it end because it was going on too long. And so, okay, there are Could a few black, de- The people under the, like, uh, the people that don't listen to the, that are, like, the dark side of the government that, like, um, don't have to abide by the same rules. So they just called them up. It's like, hey, we need you to help us in this. Well, I mean, there were all that could officials. be too crazy theory. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's but... a pretty deep one. There was a lot of no. They're all yeah. government officials. They were all wearing stuff outside there. It's just. I mean, they... I'm not saying I hate the government. Like, yeah. Or anything like that. I, I, you know, we gotta have it. But like. Oh, absolutely. I just. But it was it. just those yeah. specific, in my opinion, those specific departments at those specific times. They it was a miss a, a, a gross uh, use of their power. Yeah. Um, But anyways, this theory is Mm -hmm. that about how the fire that consumed the compound started. Some believe that the fire was an accident caused by the FBI's use of tear gas, while others argue that the FBI intentionally started the fire to end the standoff. Is there an inspection? There, in in the documentary... a friend of mine is a fire department person. He'd probably be able to see it. Yeah, well, there was was audio. There was was audio at the end of the Mm -hmm. documentary that actually um, there was audio that David and the other followers were talking about putting hay in different areas inside the building and catching it on fire. So you think it's a no-brainer. Is that on, like, YouTube and stuff? It's You should be able to find it on YouTube. I mean, it's... If we find it, we'll play the clip. Yeah. If we want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we definitely... Uh, overall... Um, speaking of crazy things speaking of crazy things what's that you're crazy bro (laughs) well um, with that overall that guy was crazy yeah Waco was a crazy event um, and that honestly it was a crazy thing and it had a lot of theories that came out of it Um, so we're going to go ahead and take a break there and then we'll move on to our next topic The Y2K, or Year 2000 theory. It was a widespread belief that in the late 1990s, computer systems around the world would fail at the turn of the millennium due to the programming glitch. The theory was that the computer systems that used only two digits to represent the year, such as 99 instead of 1999, would interpret the year as 2000 
or as 1900 instead of uh, 2000. Um, this would cause widespread system failures and the potentially uh, catastrophic events or consequences. The fear was that the failure of the critical systems, such as banking, air, traffic control, and uh, power grids, could result in widespread chaos, disruption, and even societal collapse. Now, this fear led to its extensive preparations and investments in updating and fixing computer systems, known as the Y2K uh, remediation. Um, however, the Millennium approached, many people began to doubt the severity of this problem and whether it would be blown out of proportion. In the end, the Y2K bug turned out to be less severe than initially feared, uh, due in large part to extensive preparations made to fix the issue. Leave about that one, Zach. Oh, Y2K is one that we definitely are excited <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> There's a few theories that we're going to go over with this one. Oh, yeah. It's chock full of them. This was the crazy. This was a crazy event. I, I watched a few YouTube videos, and uh, I think there was a big old documentary on it as well. Ooh, um, I'd be down. I, I'd really like to watch that, honestly. Yeah, so there's all kinds of different things um, around it. Um, people literally thought the end of the world was coming. So, like, basically everybody was uh, theorizing doomsday, as again, as they normally do. Yeah. And they believed that the Y2K bug would cause disruption and chaos which it actually did there were people stockpiling food tons of essentials and water if you guys were around at that time you know feel free to let us know uh, if you remember it yeah um, i was alive but i don't remember it so that's yeah. good i was definitely too young for that um so all these people were arguing that arguing that the computer systems would fail to recognize the year 2000 and uh, the main thing um because of that was because the computer programs Back in the day, there was like a 60s or so. Um, it, the reason that they had that, you're like, why would they do that? Why would they set it to 99 instead of 1999? It was to save memory. Memory was very expensive back then, and these programmers did that on the date um, down there to save memory. See, so Brandon knows thing. this a lot more than I do. I know quite a bit, just not as much as you know. I'd like to. He's a tech tech head. Well, sure. I read it, um, or I watched some stuff on it as well. But uh, yeah, so... That was the main reason. Um, but yeah, uh, people did stockpile a lot of stuff. Okay. It was well, crazy. I also, I, on the other side here, there's conspiracy theories about it as well. Some believe oh, for sure. that the Y2K I've bug... I've never heard these, though. Yeah, this is this is interesting. I don't think either one of us... Because this was literally a global event that, that happened. Yeah, this was real. This occurred. I was talking to someone the other day. I brought up that they were, we were going to go over this, and he had never heard of it. No. Well, th there's actually another theory. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have all of it in my head exactly, but um, there's another theory of when it might happen again. And that's when, um, I can't remember how, it's like a, the bit system, it'll finally go over. I think it's like, uh, guys, let me know for sure what it is if you can. It's like maybe 3,000 or so. Okay. Or maybe uh, maybe you're three. It might be your 3,000. I hope that it like would that. occur again. Um, but it's because the bits, the zeros and ones, the bits are going to all be lined up as one in the, okay. in the system. And they're afraid that might cause issues. So that, there you go. Okay, so it kind of seems like we're going like full circle there. And then again uh, after that, though? Yeah. Then it, it'll just, it's going to happen again. And again. again. Yeah. Well, we as, we as human... Uh, human nature is to to do things like this, where we Mr. always Earth. theorize a uh, end of the event, uh, end of world event. Um, I think we like that. We we humans. do. We like yeah. chaos. We do. 
and drama. I like chaos. <laughs> okay, so back to the back, theories. Back to talk. Um, Y2K, there was a conspiracy theory out there that the Y2K bug was a hoax or a deliberate scare tactic created by governments and corporations to generate fear and sell products. Dude, that that's... That is a very... I feel that when, when, when COVID was going down and um, like the fear of missing out. Uh, well, not only the fear of missing out, but well, the fear no, of Well, no, the fear dying. of missing toilet paper. Yeah, the t- you guys remember that? Toilet paper? It was because... I'm sure everyone remembers. It's still pretty fresh. Yeah, FEMA. FEMA was like trying to tell people to take what uh, to be prepared, um, but uh, nobody obviously went to what they said. They just went yeah. Out. No, no one's going to do organized. Everyone's going to rush. I mean, that was kind of the same feeling here. Um, but yeah, they argued that the Y2K bug was not a real problem, and then the media was... had exaggerated its potential impact. Which I mean, they're 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 pretty right. Yeah, it definitely caused a lot of problem. <laughs> it caused everyone to overreact. Yeah. Um, what's another good theory there, Brandon? Well, definitely, um, let me think for a second. Let me play some music for you. <laughs> well, a lot of people really thought um, overall, um, speaking of Jeopardy, it was Jeopardy, right? What yeah. you just did? Yeah, it yeah. was money. That was Jeopardy. Speaking of money, is the economic consequences of the Y2K. So a lot of people believe that the Y2K bug would have serious economic consequences, leading to stark market crashes, which in 2008, that was, you know, you guys remember that? Well, if you're alive, mm-hmm. um, leading to that, bank failures and other financial problems. Um, they also argued that you, Y2K bug would undermine confidence in people in the global um, economy and uh, cause long-term damage, which people were literally scared, which goes back to the fear of conspiracy thing. They were scared. Um, mm-hmm. that things are going to happen. So they were, and the ATMs would not work because of this bug. Well, so they were pulling out their money. Yeah. All yeah. people going to the banks, people going to the ATMs and they were just, I was going to say that I think the most interesting thing about that is that, um, as far as finances are concerned, mm-hmm. that just doing that to people in general, causing fear and yeah. uh, that is actually going to make them, uh, make Spend. bad financial decisions. And, yeah. Pull money out of stock market, cause crash. I mean, you can do it if you're a big enough person. Here's a theory for you. I hate to interrupt you, but it just mm-hmm. popped in my head. What if, uh, I don't know the full story of 2008, but what if some of these consequences from all this mm-hmm. led to the, you know, the 2008, like, uh, Well, there, there is a duck. I mean, I, I'm sure in some way it some probably way. played a little, but Everything. I know that there was actually, I watched a movie on that recently that um, that was because people were playing with... Um, playing with other people's money uh, they were playing with like the stocks and things like that i, I forgot uh what it's called but essentially wolf yeah. on wall street no not wolf no, on that's wall a movie yeah uh, of course it's a of course i can't remember it right now but it was a pretty <laughs> good uh it was oh shorts it was shorting people were shorting the stocks and they were they were they sounds shorted. like wolf on wall street yeah i know but this movie is literally it's a different movie but they literally short yeah. stocks so they shorted um they went up against the housing market and tried to short the housing market stocks and it caused the entire thing just to collapse. It was crazy. There was some weird bank stuff going on too. Not too long ago as well. People were freaking out recently as well. That's true. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, guys, sure. uh, I think we'll go ahead and in Y2K there. And when we come back, we are going to move in to your childhood. And that is dark theories about Nickelodeon cartoons. Yeah, you guys get ready for this one. I'm sorry. 
Nickelodeon 90s TV show, Dark Theories. We take a look into the dark underbelly of many beloved 90s cartoons and try to expose their secrets and ruin your childhood along the way. We all had favorite cartoons and remember them fondly, but what if there were more to these cartoons than what you saw on the surface? Or if even what you saw you couldn't believe they actually put right in front of your face? Uh, uh, real monsters. <laughs> Let me tell you about this one there. That's. I'm so, curious. What 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 are we gonna get into with dark theories about Nickelodeon shows? All right, so if you guys don't remember what All Real Monsters is, it was a is a little TV show. If you do remember, um, it had this weird mutated creatures. Um, one of them had its eyeballs in its hand. Um, oh, I forget yeah. their names. Um, oh, here they one was like a big stick with eyes and lips. It was just. It's beautiful. Um, okay, so this was Ickus. Oh, it's Crumb, Ickus, and Oblina. Oblina, yeah. Oblina. Um, so let's, let me read a bit about it here and see what the theory is. Looks very interesting. Um, it says, uh, while fans have drawn similarities between All Real Monsters and the Pixar film Monsters, Inc., the themes of the show were particularly dark. Sci-Fi actually points out that the show had references to films like um, A Clockwork Orange and Beetlejuice. Hmm. Um, the show's harmful stereotypes are explained by Geek Girl Authority, making the show seem impractical for children to watch, apparently. Yet the dark theme of Ah, Real Monsters is more psycho. So philosophical. Philosophical in nature. The monster's survival is based on human fear, hence why Ickus, Abelina, and Crumb attend school. To learn to be scary. Um. Well. Okay. I mean, that one's pretty interesting. I. I, I mean, like I see it. it kind of is the premise of the show, and I mean, I definitely think anyone. It, it, really. I mean, that's not really dark. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, I could feel it. That's just number eleven. That's why it's number eleven. Yeah. If you Wait. guys would like to reference our link uh, we're reading, it's uh, movieweb.com. If you want to look them up for yourself. Yeah. Check them out. All right, up next, we have the show The Angry Beavers. Wow, this is a good show. Yeah. Does everyone remember that? <laughs> okay, so um, The Angry Beavers um, centers on Norbit and... Is it it's Daggett? Daggett. Norbit Daggett? and Daggett, Daggett, I'm pretty sure. Daggett? Who are beaver brothers that chose to live as bachelors in the forest. They live in an... Okay, it's basically the theory... Exact before we, we got yeah. we got hitched. Okay, <laughs> yeah, essentially, we, yeah, we had our little bachelor's pad. Now I'm um, just an angry old beaver. So the theory is is that they live in an AI-powered dam, and while they have Damn. forest enemies, a few elements in the show point to a more nefarious theory. Oh, there's the word again, nefarious, nefarious. theory. Nefarious. First, their dam is an electronically advanced more than any other home in the forest. A few times in the show, a cameraman or microphone is in the scene. That's kind of interesting. Finally, oh, I, I do remember that. Like seeing the cameraman like or the, the microphone. Pole, the, what's that, that pole called that they put? Oh, the uh, speed. Uh, I don't know the name of it. Yeah. So we're not very good with stuff. At all. <laughs> we don't like. We don't, we know. We don't know stuff. Uh, so. Finally, the brother's main nemesis is scientist oh, number boom one. Boom mic. Yeah, Sorry. that's it. Uh, who is constantly catching and releasing the beavers. All these elements point to the beavers being scientific experiments that are being documented for environmental purposes. So the, 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 the beavers are just experiments and I mean, inside of an AI thing. I could like, see that. Like if they talk like about how their scientists is their main nemesis, like why, 
how else would that make sense? It's a pretty good one. Okay. That. We'll move I on to, yeah. to SpongeBob. Oh, sorry. I want to do SpongeBob. This one is pretty crazy. All right. So this show is SpongeBob SquarePants, and everybody knows who SpongeBob SquarePants. I yeah, don't care what age you are. There's no way. He lives in Bikini Bottom. Okay. And he's a sponge with his friend Patrick. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this theory suggests that the characters represent the seven deadly sins or drugs or and psychedelics, guys. This one definitely seems a little reach. <laughs> okay. So they even reference to drug use in the show, apparently. Allegedly, these theories are rather dark and... Uh, what? Disturbing. Rather dark just, and disturbing. I was reading for. Yep. Uh, they're very disturbing. Um, one of these uh, dark theories suggests that Bikini Bottom, Bikini Bottom is a result of a nuclear explosion. And it's based on real-life nuclear testing site Bikini Atoll. According to... How do you say that? Burke Museum. Burke Museum. The darkest theory of SpongeBob SquarePants is actually that SpongeBob died in season four. Oh, I wonder what so. the depth of that is. Like, what is the theory behind so, him dying in season four? So, yeah, so they're basically on a real life test, uh, nuclear testing site, which would explain a lot of the weirdness in the show. And the, um, do you remember the the one main thing that I remember from SpongeBob the most that sticks on my head all these years later is there's an episode uh, where they go deep down into the the dark side of bikini, the darker, the other bikini bottom. Oh, where there's that, that drop off. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. The the <laughs> that, that was like one of the weirdest episodes. That, that was. And I'm weird about it. Um, this is, this would be a great time to bring up that if you guys like any of these specific, um, theories, um, that you want us to go more in depth on, we totally can just, just let us know if you like any of these and you want to hear more about what that potential theory was. Yeah. Just feel free to add us. Anywhere. Mm -hmm. Good old at symbol. All right. At number eight, we have Doug. Good old Doug. So, um, yeah, of course, Doug was, I mean. That's Skeeter. Skeeter, I'm yeah. I'm like Doug Fran Skeeter whenever I meet her. <laughs> Skeeter, okay. So no, I'm going to not say that now. Skeeter's so hard. People call her Shut up. No, shut up. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't want to do that. Um, okay, so Doug, if you guys remember the show Doug, um, essentially this theory about the show Doug uh, is it's apparently one of the more disturbing theories. <laughs> oh God, uh, so proceed with caution. Doug withdraws from family and friends through hallucinations that is that he is Quail Man, an alter ego of of his who he protects his friends. This alter ego may be the biggest tie into the dark theory. Mr. Dink, one of Doug's neighbors, <laughs> is thought to be a pedophile who targets oh Doug. God. It's possible that Doug's withdrawing behavior, like daydreaming or having an alter ego who's protective, can also be a manifestation of coping with abuse. Well, that wow. one was a lot of something that I don't really like. That was, I don't like that one at all. That one is really far-reaching. I mean, that'd be crazy to think of. I remember that's the thought process going on there. Yeah, I really, I, mean, I don't believe that. I don't think that I'm has sorry. any validity. I'm giving that one a nope for me. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna do cat dog, cat dog, cat dog, cat all dog. Right. Gonna do cat dog. Now, cat dog is a show about a cat and a dog, right? So yeah. they basically share one body. And they just chill out on the couch most of the time, and they can, they just do do funny things that cat and dogs do. Um, but they share one body, and they live in a house with a rat. That's their pet, or their roommate, actually. The dark theory behind this show um, is very reminiscent of the two other Nickelodeon shows that we just talked about. 
first cat dog is possibly the result of a nuclear uh, explosion. So some experiments um, similar to the SpongeBob that we talked about over in Bikini Bottom. I mean, I could definitely see this for cat dog. <laughs> yeah, I could see sure. it for cat dog. I always wondered how they pooped. Yeah, that's a theory. That's you guys got some theories about how they poop. Yeah, that's one we would have to dive deep on because there's so much about how the the bodies would work together, and if you, we, you know, we'll even have on a, uh, a a doctor that can describe how that works. Yeah, we we'll bring on a professional uh, vet to figure it out. Yeah, I, yeah, we need a vet. That's true. Yeah, we need a vet. All right. Anyway, the theory is um, that cat dog are also science experiments being followed and studied by humans. Um, so you got Norbert and Daggett. In, like Norbert and Daggett and the angry, angry Beavers, except the humans and Cat Dog are disguised as animals. So all the animals you see in the show are just humans disguised, and they're just studying, studying cat, dog. cat Dog. All right. So up next we have the Ren and Stimpy show. Now, in my opinion, that show was already pretty eccentric enough. It was it was extremely weird and over the top. And he's sawing the piece of wood. Oh my! Yes. <laughs> We watched this show. Talk about actually, you know. I kind of remember it, but I might have blocked it out because of the childhood trauma. I, yeah, the childhood trauma. I was going to say anything we bring like this up. Podcast if you have childhood trauma. <laughs> anything <laughs> on here isn't going to even come close to just that show in general. Yeah. So a theory about this. I mean, it's already a theory in itself. But um, so it's a chihuahua named Rin and a cat named Stimpy. They spend their days pretending to be astronauts, cowboys, or other kinds of explorers through daydreams that the audience can see. Uh, so much like the disturbing theory behind Doug, the angry beavers, and cat dog, that Rin and Stimpy are victims of animal abuse. What? I could see that. While we can know the signs of abuse in children, knowing the signs of animal abuse are just as important. Exactly. Especially when adopting a rescue. Well, which um, victims of animal abuse? I I've always see. supported adopting rescues. Oh, for sure. We're not going to ever be sponsored by PetSmart. Sorry, PetSmart. Yeah, I've heard sorry. some really bad things about you guys. Really? Yeah, the way they treat their animals and stuff. Somebody proved me wrong. Did they? Do they do that? Well, just buying, um, buying dogs and, and animals in general is really bad. Uh, you yeah. should always go out to your local shelter. They're always, always full. Adopt. That's very true. And They're uh, always full. Even if you want an older dog, you know, get don't get a puppy unless you really want a puppy and you're going to spend the time for it. Mm. I know I'm ranting off on something else, but get a dog. Get an it's older true. dog. It's chill and wants to lay out with you. Yeah, those ones need love too. Um, Just like Zach. That's right. I need love too. Love him. I have a, a wonderful wife for that. That's a wild Thor. That's a wild. That's a wild story. Just like this next one, Zach. Huh? And the wild thornberries. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 big old honker, I tell you. Um, so you got Eliza there, and if you guys remember the wild thornberries, they're a group of, uh, I will say, adventurers, basically. Oh, this one is interesting. <laughs> and it makes sense. I could see it. Yeah, so they basically travel, um, where do they normally live at? Do you remember where they live at? Is it like down, is it like in Australia or something? Uh, I think they're definitely based in Australia, or they've got some British, I, I don't know, they're generally like English, uh, British, Australian, uh, anyway, for sure. But, uh, Eliza basically can talk to the animals in the show. And uh, this theory, uh, the main theory, revolves around Elsa's ability to speak to animals. Now, Elsa's the Nigel's, and I don't remember the wife's name. Wife's name, but that's their kid. Yeah, it's the daughter. Uh, it's theorized that, <laughs> sorry, Elsa takes um, LSD, basically, or psychedelics that opens her mind, which leads her to believe that she's communicating with animals. So she's just tripping the whole show. 
Yeah, so this whole time she thinks she's talking to animals yeah. when she's really not. Um, you could say that about a lot of like shows. Well, movies, yeah, so. anything where like, anybody's talking to an inanimate object. Here's a theory for you. Um, uh, get some hype in the chat for my uh, Doctor Who fans. What if you think um, the Doctor, right? The Doctor isn't this alien guy from outer space, but just some crazy dude who's just like, you know, mentally insane. Because let's say he goes into a police box mm-hmm. one day, um, or he's running from the police, or whatever may have it, and he's having a really tragic event. So he has a mental break. Mm-hmm. So he pretends that he's this awesome guy, you know. Or it could be a police officer, even maybe a police officer. Maybe yeah. he's a police officer, and he's like hiding and he's bleeding out or something inside of the police box. Wow, well, this and it's is like a... I'm a superhero, and like okay. you know, and he's like slowly fading out of existence, and that's why. He just starts to make up all these crazy stories. He's making up all these stories. And, and that's like, why the police box is there. Because the police box is there. Either the person has either either homeless policemen, whatever. Or companions are some... just people coming in to use the police box to call the police. He's, he, he just somehow doesn't die. I don't know how he doesn't die. Maybe he's just crazy and he, instead of bleeding out. He's just yeah, dead. let's say I'd say I'd say the bleeding out thing doesn't really hold up too well. But I'd say a, a literally insane guy time... who's, who's homeless and, and goes and hides in a, a police box, maybe every, a call box. Every time that he's going to a different planet or time, it's just him, um, the somebody moving into a different place. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not making fun of Dr. Who. I love Dr. Who. David Tennant's my man. I love he you. is a big Doctor Who fan. Just to preface here, he absolutely Tenth Doctor is. hype. And Matt Smith's pretty good, too. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, everybody, everybody, I don't want to go. Well, all right. So yeah, to sorry. continue forward here. Just wanted to get that. <laughs> that, that was this one I that, randomly thought of. That's a really good one. I like, I mean, it's interesting. Um, so up next, we have, uh, and a lot of people will definitely remember this Hey Arnold. Um, so oh, this one football head football head uh, I watched this show a ton growing up we both did um, but this one I mean I actually you know I, I totally see it I mean and it's it's kind of on the sad side so uh, it's theorized that uh, Stoop Kid is a lookout for a drug operation some fans believe Arnold's grandparents are his real parents uh, and because of his head shape he is bullied I mean yeah that's well that's a fact um, therefore his friends are either imaginary or he daydreams about being friends with the kids who bully him at school. Um, can I interrupt for a second? Mm-hmm. I was boiled, boiled in school. You were boiled I alive? Was bo- bo- I was bullied in school, probably for saying boiled. Were you a lobster? I'm going to say right now, I'm bullying I don't want right to be now. too controversial, but dang it. Stop boiling people. Stop boiling these, stop bullying people. Seriously. I'm serious. Don't boil people. Don't bully people. I can't say boil. 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 Bully, bully. Boil rules. Now you've got me messed up, too. All right. So, yeah. No, I, I 100% saying, agree. It's, seriously, don't bully people. There is no reason to bully anyone. Anybody can have their opinions, their thoughts, and that's okay. There's no reason to stoop to doing that. Yeah, like Everyone, stoop kid. Like stoop kid. Um, I love stoop kid. Said but, yes, stoop. it's it's important that everyone... Um, remain it's good to have friends out there and it's good to be a nice person yeah i just wanted to put my two cents on that because you know i still feel the effects of that today Mm -hmm. so people were really mean to me for various reasons but uh, i just wanted to make sure anybody listening check on your kids kids are mean sometimes yeah check on your kids kids check on your friends and really listen um and see how people are thinking we don't want to lecture you but anyway back to the theory 
Exactly. So essentially, uh, his friends are... Uh, essentially, he is... It, there's a couple theories out there. His grandparents are his real parents. Stoop Kid is a lookout for drug operations. Um, and because of his hitching, oh. he's bullied. Um, oh, but my God. The fact is, is because he's bullied, um, some people believe that his friends are, uh, that he's imagining his friends or daydreaming about having friends um, with the kids who bully him at school. So he's taking their bullying um, yeah. and making it into his own little world and thinking that these so, are his friends. You know, just like when um, a kid is getting bullied and like, he, he, he maybe he does imagine those kids as his friends at some point. But, but then, this is like literally phys- physically or uh, psychologically breaking him to come up with these hallucinations. Yeah, it's so like, hey, he, Arnold's just, yeah, well, I mean, his head shape. I mean, it wouldn't say it's hard, far off for him to be hallucinating about anything. I don't anything. know how he's alive. Yeah, that's a good question. But apparently Helga is also experiencing about the same thing there, uh, you know, because apparently her, or it's clear that Hel- Helga's mother is an alcoholic and her father is a bully. So... Yeah, so basically both of them are going through a rough time in this show. And and that's why it's kind of odd, too, how their hair colors are almost. That's, they look really similar they besides are. their hair shape or their head shape. Yeah. That's something. That's a good one. That is a good one. It's weird. Very strange. Um, Speaking of strange, how about Rocco's Modern Life? Man, let me tell you. <laughs> I got a pop figure of that one. So that, that show in general definitely kind of veered on the edge of uh, a, a little too uh, too much sexual in, innuendo for children. Um, and, you know, and that's part of this theory. So um, the underlying themes of Rocco's Modern Life are sexual in nature. And that's a fact. I mean, uh, was a pi- it was a pioneer in many ways. Um uh, or sorry, Rocco was a pioneer in many ways. He lived alone with his dog, had a rich life, and worked from home. Although his career was as a sex phone operator. Oh my god. He even has a game night with friends Those where they play a board game called Spank the Monkey. <laughs> what? Yeah. The show is filled to the brim with sexual innuendos, and the aforementioned ones being just the tip of the iceberg. Um, so Make sure you follow us, because like this video will not be monetized. Where is it? Dang it. What are you looking for? My screwdriver. I need oh. to get out of this cage, man. This cage made by the man, man. <laughs> Just like Tommy from Pickles. Tommy Pickles. From he always, man, he made good use of that blue screwdriver. He got a, them out of a lot of situations. All right. there's a. Let's go on about this one here. Now, the theory about Rugrats is very interesting. Um, uh, it's very, very crazy. So it all it's all based around Angelica. Angelica uh, is the only child, right? So she's the only child. Um, so basically to cope with uh, all these different things here, she, the theory is that Angelica imagines that the babies are not real, meaning none of them exist at all. Um, Chucky, for example, he died in a car accident, uh, allegedly with his mom, so she, he's imagining that. Um, Phil and Lil were a baby, was a baby that uh, were one baby that was miscarried, um, so she can't cope with the fact um, of Phil and Lil because uh, that's why there's two of them because they didn't know the gender, so she splits it up. Oh, that's interesting. So in her head, that okay. one's made up. And I then, can see that. Yeah, so she makes them up, and then um, Tommy died soon after he was born. So the whole theory is she's hallucinating all these people, 
It's, um, it's how she's coping with uh, being an only child and at the fact that there were so many things that occurred that they, and, uh, she's literally just living in the everyday life. Yeah, so um, that explains why um, Tommy's dad is always downstairs in the basement making toys for the, ch- the kid that he never had. Yeah, and then it's how he's coping. Uh, the parents of Phil and Lil uh, are always so busy because, you know, they're, they're staying busy with work. There's to try and not think about what has happened to them. So it's a really interesting, uh, depressing theory, but uh, it's been disproven by the. It's not canon, at least by the creator of the brand. But it's a very interesting theory. And everything we do here is theories. That's right. Um, well, I mean, overall, I think they all brought a lot of nefarious. I thought overall they brought a lot of interesting things. This is like 2000, but nefarious. Now I know why I keep thinking of nefarious. It's Ratchet keep... Clink. Oh, yeah. The nefarious, the, the villain. Nefarious. Yeah. He had like a brain thing on his head. Yeah. I actually just recently played the the one on PS5, Rift Apart. Yes. All right. Anyway. Um. So, yeah, overall we thought a lot of these theories, uh, they, they were very interesting. Um, I, I yeah. really... Um, I, I wouldn't say particularly that I had uh, a favorite. A favorite. I think uh, if the Rugrats one wasn't disproven, I would probably still say that one's my favorite. Or if I had to choose another one just because I love the show, it'd probably Cat Dog. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think, honestly, SpongeBob. probably the most interesting one is SpongeBob. And eventually, we may even break down uh, more about SpongeBob theories. Oh, you know, there's a bunch of SpongeBob theories out oh, there. Oh, there has to be tons. So, that's um, for sure. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that, so I sound like Peter. <laughs> I can't do. I can't do it. He has to like move his throat. When he does yeah. So, um, all right, guys. So, Brandon, sure. what uh, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, out of all the theories that we've listened to today, um, everything we've been over. What was your favorite theory and why? Um, I think out of everything we talked today. About everything um, we talked about today. I'm honestly, I'm gonna break it up in two. Um, the first thing, obviously, I really liked the um, the Y2K thing. Um, I know it was an actual event that did occur for the most part, like as far as like the preparedness and the event that it had in society and people in general. The, Overall, it prepared us all to, to to upgrade things and be ready for that type of thing. It was just a lot of it pre- off. Yeah, a lot of preparedness in general for our tech moving forward to keep the world yes. uh, from a tech perspective. Yeah, so th- for the serious thing, it's it's still going to be the the Y two K for for the for uh, and the other ones Rugrats. The other ones Rugrats. Okay, yeah, Rugrats. fair enough. Um, Rugrats. For me, uh, my favorite theory, I would say, was probably or my Doctor Who thing. <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, what I genuinely enjoyed the most um, was probably the rise of the internet. And I really oh, yeah, liked... Yeah, yeah. Um, I almost forgot all about the rise of the internet. I don't know how <laughs> I forgot. I would do it. Um, that was really... It's, it's I think... To, I think stuff. really my favorite theory was probably... Um, oh, about that one. The uh, Global Village. Um, that was super interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's just neat how some people predicted certain things, or with almost exact certainty. And those are things that really like drive it for me. This is the passion yeah, behind it. That's fair. You know, I just totally forgot about it. Yeah, that was a very good one to me. Um, but yeah, um, with that, uh, we would like to thank you guys so much for being here today. Uh, we also we would like to thank um, our wives. Um, 
I want to thank my wife for, yeah, she's been uh, an amazing, beautiful person who has always had my back. And uh, always, even when I was streaming a few years ago, she was always letting me do that as well. She's always supportive. So thank you. Thank you very much, babe. <laughs> that was very sweet. I would also like to thank my wife, Haley, because she was, she's been a huge advocate and help and getting my mindset straight through all this. And she's really helped keep everything organized for us. And she's been a genuine, a genuine big help. Amazing. Um, but I would also just like to say in general, guys, uh, thank you for, for, for listening with us today because it's very, you know, we're, this has been a lot of effort on our part and this has been a lot of work, a lot of time and effort. We've changed things. Sex Mike wasn't working very well. So we're still figuring all this out. We're still getting it, and, um, but we're enjoying it, and we want to bring content to you guys, and we want to find like-minded other people like us, and just have a good time, you know? Yeah, we really hope you we're enjoyed what we, what we put together today, uh, what we put together today for exactly. you. Um, and, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and just like I told you earlier, we're going to go ahead and plug the socials for you. So you guys can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at the Muse Theory Podcast, Yep. Um, and of course, actually, I wanted to tell you that now we are on, we are on all uh, major podcast podcast platforms. I have us set up on Spotify. I have us on Apple Apple Podcast. I have us on uh, Stitcher. Um, so oh, you'll be able to find us. Stitcher. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to find us on all those um, and Google Podcast as well. Um, YouTube apparently is adding podcasts to their YouTube music, so. That's too. You might be able to find us on there at some point, and we'll put the podcast on there as well for YouTube as well. If you guys want to uh, listen there, so anywhere really, you can find us. All right, Brandon, do you want to play us out there? Thanks for joining us on the Muse Theory Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our musings. Please join us next week when we discuss our theories on the 1950s. We leave you with this: the world is full of questions, and all we have are theories.